You know, sometimes it can be difficult to believe in a God that we can't see, that we can't touch, that we can't literally hear his voice. Whoops. Excuse me. <laughs> Got my stuff here. But uh, sometimes it can be difficult to believe in a God that we can't see, that we can't hear, that we can't physically touch. Uh, I don't know about y'all if you've ever wondered or questioned that. Uh, I remember my freshman year of college. I think I had never doubted about the existence of God. Was Jesus the way to, to you know, for salvation? I just kind of accepted what uh, my Sunday school teachers had taught me, what my parents had taught me. And I can remember having a real crisis of faith, and uh, maybe some of you have experienced something like that. Uh, maybe there was a time in your life when you knew there were the teachings of the church and, and things like that, but you thought, you know, I kind of just don't want to obey all the rules and all the, the legalese and all the restrictions on kind of how the way I want to live my life. Or, or maybe it might be that you've had a season in your life where you were praying for something and asking for God and, and and things to do something, and, and God didn't answer your prayers, or maybe it didn't turn out exactly like you wanted it to, or maybe you look around and you see the suffering in the world, and, and uh, you know, I recently just was having a, a conversation with someone in their, in their late 20s, and they, you know, they, they said, how can a, a loving God, a good God, allow all the evil that's going on in the world? And they had kind of said, I, I'm not sure I believe. And so as we head into this Lenten uh, season. This is the, the seven weeks prior to Easter, the, the 40 days where we, in the church, we call it Lent as we are moving toward uh, remembering and celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. As we are heading into this Lenten season, uh, we are looking at stories uh, and words uh, from the life of Jesus, uh, stories from his life, words that he has spoken, that he said, uh, as seen through the eyes of the gospel writer John. And so I want to invite you to pull out your bulletins and we are going to look at, if I could just have the slide up here, uh, this scripture um, is going to kind of be our, our anchor scripture, our theme scripture, our big idea, because John is concerned about, he is speaking about, he is trying to address those very doubts, those very moments of questioning. Some, sometimes we have a caricature of who God is, and, and we, we, we have a, an, an imaginary God that we have created in our own likeness. And so John is concerned about these things. And so at the very end of the Gospel of John, this is what he writes. And this is going to kind of be our big idea that's going to anchor us uh, for the next several weeks. And we are looking at the stories of Jesus as found in this Gospel. And he, and he writes this. And it, again, it's there at the very end of the book. He's told us many stories. He's told us many things. And then he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Now, now let me stop right here. Uh, church tradition uh, tells us that the, it was the disciple John, the one that Jesus called there by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you might remember that John and, and uh, Peter and Andrew, uh, they had, and their, their, the families there, they had a fishing business. Uh, Jesus calls him. We read about this, and he said, come and follow me. So he is the one who has, uh, church history uh, says that this was the, the disciple John. And so he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And we might add, of, of which I was one, of 
whom I was one. And he said, but, but I've not recorded those things in this book. I've not recorded those things in this book. Uh, another little thing that's interesting is when John writes this, uh, scholars who have, have looked at this and studied this, and there's pretty much consensus about that, this, we believe that John was the last of the Gospels to be written. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written much, much earlier, um, earlier after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But John was written later, uh, maybe 60 years later, uh, as that John is an older man now. He is reflecting on the events and the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus. And so that's what we see. He said there were many other things uh, that, that happened, things that were said. I would even say things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John have given you in their Gospels. But I've not included those things because I have a singular purpose. I have a singular purpose, and it is this. He said, these are written, the things I have recorded here. Again, think about, think about the amazing, uh, just what a great privilege that this is. This, this, these are ancient words, an ancient text, an ancient document that was written some 2,000 years ago by someone who walked with Jesus, who was an eyewitness, who has been reflecting on what Jesus's life meant, uh, what it means to us today. And he said, but these things I have written down and here is why. And this is the why behind what we are going to be walking through and talking about uh, during this Lenten season. He said, he said, I wrote down these things, and this is why. He said, it is so that you might believe, that you might believe. And here is what I want you to believe or I want to tell you about. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the one that was written about in the Old Testament the, through the law and the prophets, prophesied that one day that this Messiah was going to come, this Savior. And this Messiah is not just like another prophet. He is the Son of God. I want you to, to see who he is, to have a picture of who he is, to have a true understanding of who he is. And then he goes on and he says, so that, so that. It's not just so we can, you know, check it off in our box, but he says, so that. And this is what he says here. He says, so that by believing you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. And I give that to you because this is what we're going to be, basically over the next seven weeks, we are going to be just unpacking this big idea story by story by story as we walk through this amazing story, this amazing gospel that, that John has recorded for us that we have, that we can journey with him. Uh, he said, I've written these things so that you might believe. So today what I'm going to be doing primarily is just kind of giving you the big picture about the Gospel of John. Uh, I want to just walk us through just uh, some things about what is unique about this Gospel. How does it differ from Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Because I think when we kind of wrap our heads around this, it will give us a, a new uh, set of lens, uh, kind of some new glasses uh, to look at uh, this, this Gospel. This morning I, I was uh, getting ready for church today and I and I noticed, y'all you know, see my jacket here, I, I, I looked in the closet and I said, oh no, one of these buttons had come off. But I'd already picked it out, I wanted to wear this jacket today. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, oh no, what do I do? 
So I got out my sewing kit, and, uh, and I got out the needle, and I got out the thread. Have y'all ever done this? And I was trying to put, trying to put the thread in the needle. Have y'all, any, any ladies out, men? Anyway, well, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. So, so I go in, and I, and, and I said, Mark, Mark, and I was in a hurry. And I said, may I see your readers? Where are your readers? I can't figure out, I can't see to get the, the thread through the eye of the needle. And uh, so he gave me his readers. Y'all, it was a miracle. I mean, it was amazing. It was like, boop, got it. And I said, and that's when I was walking around. It's like, I can see, I can see. These readers are great. And, and I hope that as we look at the Gospel of John today, that it is like we are picking up a new set of readers, that we are seeing it fresh, we are seeing it new as we look at who Jesus is. John has, has spent time, I mean, y'all thinking about that, and he wants us to believe, he wants us to trust, but it's so that, not just so that we can be right and other people are wrong, not just so that we can say, we know the truth and you don't, but it's so that you might and I might have a relationship with the living God. That's his whole heart. So let's talk about a few things that are unique about the Gospel of John. I think one of the things that is important is to look at not what did John say, we're going to get there, but I also am interested in knowing what did John not tell us about. So when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are called the synoptic gospels. Synoptic. So that's a big fancy word. Basically what that word means is that the first three gospels are very similar. Uh, you see a lot of similarities. They tell about a lot of the same stories, about a lot of the same events, a lot of the same miracles. John is not considered to be one of the synoptic gospels because there is so much that these others tell us that he omits. So what does he omit? And why does he omit it? So let's kind of talk about a few things. Here is one of the things that he omits. He does not tell any of the parables that Jesus tells. He doesn't tell one of the parables. So, so if you've grown up in church, you know what the parables are, but, but if you're kind of like going, what? I, I can't even think of any of the parables. Let, let me tell you just a couple of the parables. One of the parables that Jesus tells that we find in the other Gospels is the Good Samaritan. Uh, even if you did not grow up in church, you know what a Good Samaritan is. A Good Samaritan is someone who helps others, and usually when they have some type of physical need. Now, I love the story of the Good Samaritan because it's like, okay, I can do that. The Good Samaritan tells me that it doesn't matter what somebody's nationality is. It doesn't matter what someone's race is. It doesn't matter what someone's socioeconomic status is, anything like that. I am called to care for others. The church is called to care for others. That, that's, that's I, I can do that. I can check that off. I like that. John doesn't tell us that. I love the parable of the, the sower. The sower goes out to sow his seeds, and, you know, some of the seed goes on the hard ground. Some, some of the thorns uh, go up and choke it out. And, uh, and then he says, you know, this is like your heart. The soil is your heart. The, you know, the, set, the, the seed is the word of God. And, and then he says this, and he says, it's, it's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and, and the worries and the anxieties. He said, that's going to choke out, that's going to choke God's word out of your life. I love 
love that. You know why I love that? Because I can do it. It's like, okay, I have a day when I'm being anxious, I'm being worried. It's like, oh, oh, wait, wait. That is an enemy of spirituality, so let's not do that. It's very, uh, Matthew ends his gospel and he says, everything that I've taught you, you know, go and make disciples. He said, teach them to obey. I, I love that. I, I feel like that, I love this Maya Angelou, Angelou quote, and I, if you want to pull this up, you know, if I had a motto in life, it would just, it would be this right here. And um, I'm going to turn my page real quick to get to it. And he said, uh, this is, I love what she says. She says, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. You know, when I look at Matthew's gospel, I, I kind of think that's, that's, that's how I approach it. It's like, if I, if I have a parenting problem, you know, when I, my kids were uh, little and, and when they were toddlers, I had every parenting book. I felt like if I could just read James Dobson, some of you know who he is, but he, he had a book called uh, The Strong-Willed Child. And I mean, I, if I could just do what he said, then my kids were going to turn out okay. All right, that, that's how my brain thought. You know, if I was having trouble in marriage, maybe Mark and I were bickering, well, let me go find a book on marriage. Let me go to a workshop. Give me five steps, three principles, two things to do. And so that's kind of how my brain works. John, John gives us none of that. There is not a lot of how to do life. It is more of who is Jesus. Um, some other things that, that uh, we don't have in the Gospel of John. Uh, we have this, uh, you know, in, in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, we have the Sermon on the Mount, the great ethical teachings of Jesus. Uh, one of the things that Jesus tells us, he said, you know, the Old, the Old Testament said uh, to, not, you know, to not murder, to not kill. And he said, but I tell you, if you hate your brother, it's like you've committed murder. It's like, oh, I, I know that. Okay, if I'm angry and I'm hating and I'm, I'm talking bad about somebody and I'm harboring all this unforgiveness, okay, I can do that. John just doesn't give us any of that. And I think the tension that I feel, and maybe you feel this as well, the reason that I personally gravitate to these other Gospels is because I just want to know what to do sometimes. Uh, Parker Palmer uh, is a favorite author of mine, and he has, a, he has a phrase, and I like it. If we could have this slide up. He calls it functional atheism, functional atheism. And it is that idea that I am ultimately responsible, the belief that ultimate responsibility for everything rests with us. In other words, I tend to, and maybe you're this way, I tend to skew on the side of just tell me what to do, what to say, how to go about it, go me, let me know what the rules are, and then I can do it right and I can do it okay. So John doesn't go there at all. He doesn't necessarily say, he's not so much focused on establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. You remember that from the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew and Luke. He doesn't do any of that. What he wants us to focus on is knowing Christ, our relationship with Christ. He says here, and I'm going to go back, he said, I've written these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and so that you might have life in his name. He uses that Greek word life there. Sometimes it's translated just life. Sometimes it's translated eternal life. And one of the things that we know in John's gospel is that he uses this word 32 times, far more than all the other gospel writers combined. But he's, because he is 
so concerned that we have this life that is comes only in Jesus Christ. Listen to some of the things that that uh, gospel, that John tells us about. This is where we find John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him, what do we have? We have eternal life. It says, Simon Peter, when there was a time when Jesus had made some hard statements and people were, you know, turning away and, and, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you know, are y'all are going to leave me too? And Peter says, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you are the one that has the words of eternal life. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. You see how John is concerned about this? He said, I want you to know what true life is. Jesus said after he heals Lazarus, I mean, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and this is found in the Gospel of John, and he says, and, th and these are words that we say at every funeral, we say, I am the resurrection and the life. This is what Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and that he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. These beautiful promises that, that John has been, has been thinking about them, he's been meditating on them, and he says, life comes through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. And then I love this. He says, and this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And John does something very beautiful, very, very beautiful. So often when we think about eternal life and we hear those words, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, yet, you know, he shall not perish. But um, we read, we hear these, and I think sometimes it's easy to think about, well, that happens when I die. John tells us something different. He says, oh, no, 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 the life that we're talking about, the eternal life, it doesn't begin when you die. It begins when you believe and place your faith in Jesus Christ. He said eternal life, he says eternal life is knowing God and, and, and Jesus whom he has sent. It begins the moment you take your first step of faith towards Jesus. And then when we die, it is a continuation of the life, of the abundant life that he has given us from the very beginning. Now, how does John do this? How does John uh, paint this picture? One of the things that we see is that every single chapter in the, in the Gospel of John, it's like he gives us these different portraits. It's almost like almost walking through an art gallery. Um, and, I, you know, I remember one time being able to uh, had the opportunity to go to, to go to Paris and to go to the Louvre with my daughter Elizabeth, and she's an art major. And, and so I would walk up to a painting, and I would just be like, huh, that is huge it's big and that's nice and but Elizabeth had studied art she had studied art history she was an artist and she would just sit there and she would begin to tell me about the painting she would begin to tell me about why that painting was in the Louvre what was it that made it special what was it that made it unique uh, what was it who was a who was the the artist and so she helped me understand and get this richer picture and so that is so much what John is doing here he says you know Jesus Jesus 
Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the one that cares for you, that, that walks with you through, through your hardest times. He is the one that, that knows after you when you are lost. He says, Jesus, Jesus is like a vine. And if you abide in him and his words about life, you will have life in his name. He talks to us about this relationship. He says, Jesus, Jesus is, is, is the bread of life. He is the living water. And he gives us all these rich portraits and all these beautiful pictures of who Jesus is. Another thing that we see, very unique conversations that aren't always writers, but, but he tells us about this woman at the well, this woman who had, uh, gone, had, had multiple husbands and lovers, and, and she was being ostracized by the community. And, it, and we see Jesus reaching out in love and connection to her and forgiveness. Uh, we see Nicodemus, who, who is a Pharisee, who is afraid to you know, let his faith be public. And we see Nicodemus going to Jesus in the night. And, and Jesus begins to explain to him what salvation is. We see these conversations. But one of the things that we see in all of these, what they have in common, is that John is trying to show how Jesus was trying to say, this is who I am. This is who the Father is. Believe in me so that you might have life. Another thing that is unique to the Gospel of John is the, uh, the amount of, of text, if you will, that is dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life. One-third, you get about almost a right right at midway, a little over midway through his gospel. And the remainder of the book is, is all about that last week of Jesus' life here on this earth. We call that Holy Week. Uh, the going into Jerusalem, uh, the conversation that he had uh, with his disciples there in the upper room, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, uh, Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. And so we see in all of these things that really everything that John has written and prior to kind of that shift and that turn in the book, it's all pointing to what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. Lent is a time that we intentionally journey with Jesus. It is a time when we intentionally walk with Jesus, remember his life, remember his miracles, remember his stories. We remember who he is. And I, I pray that just like Elizabeth, my daughter, and, and she taught me more to do this. I don't know that I will ever, you know, short of taking all the art history classes that she has, I, I, I am learning to appreciate art even more. But, but, but I remember that, that we would just sit there in the Louvre, and I think they might call it the, the Grand Hall. I can't remember, but it's where all these beautiful, beautiful masters, Renaissance paintings are. And we would just sit there on benches and just, and just look and ponder. And it's like the longer you looked at the painting, the more you saw, the more more you appreciated, the more you understood. It is my hope and my prayer for each one of us that as we journey to Easter, as we journey to the cross, that we will take this season to sit and to ponder and to meditate and let God reveal the layers and the layers of truth. One of the things that they say about John that is unique from the other ones is that like you can read it if you are someone who has never uh, read the Bible before in your life. Uh, so often people will, you know, like, in, like when people are missionaries going into other cultures where they don't have a, a, a you know, a Christian background, um, so often they would, they would get translations of the gospel 
Gospel of John as the first book to give people uh, when they were just beginning to be, be uh, introduced to Christianity. So it's something that with no biblical reference in history, it's a great place to start. But like John, like John, who had meditated and thought about this for over 60 years, there are the layers and the richness of meaning that comes where you can go back to this gospel again and again and again. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the Gospel of John is this. It is the story of a blind man being healed, a blind man being healed. And uh, we're, we're going to dig into that a little bit probably later on in this series. But, but what I love about that story is the Pharisees come and they're like, who healed you and how could he heal you? And, you know, Jesus is a sinner and they're, they're just peppering him. And, and this is what he says. He says, he, I mean, and this is my translation, so put a little, you know, middle Georgia in there. But, but he said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who he is, but this I know. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. And I think that is John's heart. He wants our eyes to be open. He wants the scales to be lifted. I remember one time I was talking to my dad, and this was before he had come to faith in Christ. And, um, and, we were, and I was trying to, to share with him about my new faith that I had found in college and, and wanting so badly, so badly for him to accept Jesus and to, and to see what I saw, to feel what I felt, to know what I knew in my heart to be true. And he said, friend, he said, it's just, he said, this is my now. This is what it's like. He said, imagine that there's a, a wire here on the ground, an electrical wire. And he said, and you tell me that that wire is hot, that there's electricity running through it because you've touched it. You've touched it. And he said, I just haven't touched it yet. I haven't felt that electricity. He said, I don't know if it's true. John's gospel would be for someone like my father. In 1 John, John goes on and he says, These things we have touched, we have heard, we have felt. I know it to be true. I know it to be true. Pick up the wire, touch it, and see. He said, I've written these things specifically so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you might have this life in his name. For the Lenten season, it is my hope that you will uh, set aside time. We can ignore that. They just flew out. But uh, it is my hope that you will spend time in the Gospel of John. Journeying with Mark and I, each one of our sermons will be from one of the stories found in this Gospel. And I've, I've uh, found a great devotional book that, that I'm going to be doing myself. I've already started it. And um, if we could have a slide for the name of the book in case some of y'all want to write this down. But it's, uh, it's called John, the Gospel of Life, Light and Life. John, the Gospel of Light and Life. Do I not have that? Well, anyway, this is the book, um, but it is by Adam Hamilton. And so if you're looking for a good devotional read, uh, maybe if in your Sunday school classes or Bible study, if you've not picked out something to do, uh, let me invite you to do this or something else. But I, the, the Lenten season uh, invites us, invites us to take this journey as we walk towards Easter.